You're listening to the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. We're growing men who fear the Lord, but do not fear their identity in Christ. The enemy is hard at work in our fallen world. So come on, join us in fighting for the restoration of men's hearts through the church, the word, and our risen Savior, Jesus. Welcome back to another week of the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. My name's Chika Eloy, your host, and I'm here with... Jay Cerisi. Jay, it is good to have us back. How are you doing? I'm feeling good today. Feeling really good. You know, I'm just coming off uh, battling COVID. You so got, I got hit. My, I did. I got my turn in the bucket. You know, you never really know because my whole family had it in July of 2020 when it was still like a new thing. And I just assumed everyone was so sick. Like, oh, I must have had it and been one of those uh, I don't have the symptoms guys. But nope, I got it. I got nailed. It kicked my butt, but we beat it. So um, I have my turn in the bucket with the COVID. Happy to have that out of the way. I guess we've all got to got to go through our trial there. Jay, would you pray for us today? Absolutely. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for this technology that enables Chica and I to come together and have this conversation that continues to grow us as men. And thank you for the blessing of allowing other men and women and anyone else who wants to listen to listen in. So God, we ask that you would get us out of the way, that you would bless our conversation, that it would be edifying and we could grow and learn from it. And if anyone else is out there listening, that it helps them as well, Jesus. We pray the Holy Spirit would move over this time and God, that you would be glorified. It's in your name and your son's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. And a shout out to all of our listeners out there. We're starting to see, Jay, that there is a few uh, interested parties by the statistics. And on the back end, we're actually seeing some stars now on the Apple store and, and, and the podcast store. So, hey, if you're a listener and if you like what we're talking about, don't be scared. Don't be scared. So, Jay, thanks again for, for, for joining me today. Let's Let's jump into the discussion around anger, 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 anger. Talk to me about a time when you were really young. Um, and what were the types of anger that you kind of embraced and or <laughs> held within your, your gut when you were growing up? I struggled. I struggled to fit in. I had friends. We had an awesome neighborhood, but we were kind of one of that first big generation of latchkey kids. And so I was alone a lot and I struggled in school. You know, it turns out I had attention deficit disorder, but we didn't discover that, you know, until I was well into my young adulthood. So life was a challenge for me on a lot of fronts. And I was angry, like I was an angry youth, but I didn't understand the anger and it would well up at inappropriate times. I would explode. What, what, what does that mean? Like, like at your parents or at a wall or? My level of response was not proportional mm. to what I was dealing with. And that would surprise me. And then I would feel really bad about that, but I couldn't control it. It took a lot of years to get it under control. So I grew up angry and I know a lot of folks in my generation, a lot of the boys did grow up angry. And we see that today. I think it's different now, Chica. Honestly, mm-hmm. the boys are growing up with a with a contextual anger that I think was different than certainly mine was and a lot of my peers. We were angry for certain reasons. You know, today I think a lot of the young men are angry because they don't even know how to define themselves and they've missed out on a lot and there's all these things happening on social media a lot of different reasons and and it's and it's not okay to be angry anymore so i can't even really you know when we were young the one good thing was we could channel our anger in some certain ways with sports and it's just uh but it's interesting as much as as i've worked on it and and as good a handle as i think i have on it you know i just had a huge fight with my wife this morning and got to say wow well i guess we're gonna talk about anger i've got some really good examples Hmm. i'll be able to share with chica in the podcast because, you know, anger can just come out of nowhere. And it's such, it's just such a 
example of spiritual rot in our lives when we have uncontrolled anger. Mm. And that sounds hard to say. We're going to unpack that a little bit. But when you have anger, you're far from God in that moment. When you said sports, Jay, I thought of, you know, just my youth growing up too. I mean, I got to play rugby. I got to like baseball, hit a cricket bat, right? And we'd go and, and I would, I almost found myself that that was the release. And now that I've kind of grown up, you know, and we, you and I sit corporately in front of a computer most days, I find that if I do not have that physical release, that the tension does end up exploding. Um, and, and it explodes not necessarily on the point of where it should be. Like I shouldn't be throwing the grenade at something, but I throw it, I miss it. It ends up, you know, at home in the kitchen or when I'm walking the dog and he does something, you know, silly. Um, I find that I have to really catch myself and temper it before it does overflow or explode in a place that it shouldn't. You know, when I get angry now, I've worked really hard on this. And I also had this like third person conversation with myself. Like, oh, you're really angry. This is sort of interesting. Like, I wonder what's going on here. And really invite Jesus into that. Like, hey, Jesus, why am I so angry? Like this morning, I blew up at my wife and it was totally out of proportion. And then after I left the bedroom, you know, going downstairs to my office and then thinking, okay, we can't start the day this way. This is ridiculous. You know, what's going on here? And, and Jesus is so merciful. He's so awesome. And him just whispering, like, you need to go back upstairs. And you need to sit down <laughs> and you need to talk to your wife. Like this is, this is out of control. And we did, we had this awesome conversation and, you know, my wife and I have done a lot of marriage counseling and we've worked really hard to be able to communicate to one another. So we were able to walk our way out of that and it ended well. And we're going to have date night tonight. Date night will be awesome. Oh, like good I really for you. love, yeah, it's great. I have a great wife. Right. But that anger, you know, what, it, what is it pointing at? There's some unresolved wound. And so let, let's step back for a second, Jay. And, and as we think about biblical manhood and we think about anger within biblical manhood, you know, there's biblically, when I think of, well, did Jesus ever get angry? I, I say, well, I think he did. But there's a distinction between the anger that you and I just spoke to and the way that Jesus may have held or, or harnessed the, the madness that he had. What does it look like to be righteous and angry? You know, I think there's the concept of what breaks God's heart. There are things that break God's heart, and those things should make us angry in the righteous biblical sense. And I'm looking at the fruits of the Spirit right in front of me right now, Galatians 5, 23 through 26, and one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And so when you look at Jesus, when he's angry, mm. he is under control. He's under control when he's angry. He's purposeful. He has a mission. His anger is righteous. When I exploded at my wife this morning, I was not under control. I was out of control. There was no love. There was no kindness in it. There was no gentleness. When you say self-control in Jesus, could you paint us the picture of the marketplace? I've heard you tell this story so many times, and I just think of it every time I hear the story. Well, when you think about it, you know, and Jesus is going to clear the temple, right? And you see this in a couple of the different gospels. And what I what I find so insightful about this is Jesus is pissed. Like he goes to the temple. And, and you know, when you think about it, we don't think about this a lot today because for us, we have the power of the Holy Spirit living as us as believers. We can worship anywhere. We think about the woman at the well and we worship on the mountain. Or God is with us and he is in us and we are the temple. But that was not true. In Jesus' day, God resided in the Holy of Holies in the temple. You know, that was what the Jews believed. It was what the Old Testament taught. And Jesus had all this respect for the temple. He really did. You saw it from age 12 on. And so he gets there and it's total mockery, right? It's a disaster what they're doing in the temple. And he is pissed. 
But it's amazing how he goes, you know, where he's staying. He builds a whip. So he's very purposeful. He's very under control. When he comes back, one of the things that blows my mind is if you think about the size of the temple, you have to think about what did Jesus look like? The fact that he was able to clear that temple with a whip, first of all. So think if you're in any large venue like Brave Stadium or anything where there's thousands of people, if it was a ruckus going on in one part of it, you wouldn't really see it or you might be able to see it. But Jesus, the Bible says, clears the whole temple. So however he walks in, However, his voice is projecting, however he looks with with a whip and his personality, he clears this place and people are getting out. They want no part of it. Now, what's interesting, and I was just talking about the fruits of the spirit. When you read these stories in the gospel, he is under control when he's doing it, though. And he exercises kindness and he exercises gentleness. You know, he's gentle when he releases the animals. He's he's powerful when he turns the tables over. He's direct in his conversation about why he's doing what he's doing. But then then you see this gentleness with how he treats his creation. And so just when Jesus is angry, and you see it again, you know, another story when he cures the man with the crippled hand on, on the Sabbath, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he picks a fight with the Pharisees when he does that. And he's like, y'all think I should do this? I can see in your faces you don't, which really makes me angry. But I'm going to heal him because you don't understand how the Sabbath works, and I'm going to teach you right now. But again, he's under control. He's doing something merciful. So even when Jesus exercises anger, it's always about something that breaks God's heart. And when he exercises his anger, he does it in a way that is completely controlled. That's the model for us. I'm angry about things that matter. But Jesus never gets angry when somebody offends him. He never gets angry when people are saying nasty things to him. He's not a victim. He doesn't feel a need to defend himself. And he teaches like, hey, listen. People are going to hate you and say bad things about you because of me. Like, don't worry about that. That's not, don't worry about that. That's not worth getting angry over. The things we get angry over, Jesus would say, in my reading of the New Testament, not worth your time. And the thing, and things we don't get angry about, he's like, where are you at? Gosh, we've had so much happen just in our culture in the last year, let alone the last week, that that I want to lean into that at, towards the end of this episode, Jay. But I think that you also stepped right into, you know, so what do we get mad about? And is that a problem? What what do we get angry about? And I think that the flip side to that righteous anger that you were just speaking to with Jesus is this anger that you and I may feel as men here on this earth that are born into sin, that is actually a sinful anger. Or then there's the bitterness. I know that um, when I think of Ephesians 4, when it says, you know, be angry and do not sin, I think of the anger that lingers and how, when I say linger, it, it stays in you. And I know that there's, I think it's Ephesians, is it Ephesians, Jay? Where it says, do not let the sun go down. And I'd love to get your insights around, do not let the sun go down. Because I know offline, we've had conversations as, does that mean that if we've had a fight today, or like you said, I've met with my wife and we had a little tussle this morning before she leaves the room or before we go to bed at night, we should make up, even though we're still angry. I think most of our anger is unrighteous. And I think it reveals something about us. And one of the things I've been trying to be sensitive to is when I'm angry, whether it's at work or it's at home, really asking Jesus, like, what is really going on here? What's going on in my soul? We've talked a lot, Chica, about biblical manhood is about dying to yourself and doing that every day and then reflecting Christ and not being about ourselves. And so, you know, the first part of your question, I think most of our anger is pretty unrighteous. And then not letting the sun go down. Like I find I need to immediately re-engage. So if it, I mean, I left the bedroom this morning and I went back upstairs within 20 seconds of getting down to my office. 
I think that's critically important. I think the spirit led me back up there because Jesus, this is not how he rolls. And this is not how those who reflect him roll. And if I had that level of bitterness and anger between my wife and I, how could I, as I went to work today, how could I, as I mm-hmm. tried to engage the Bible this morning in my own Bible study, how could I be present for any of that? How could the spirit flow through any of that when there is this major block in my life? And so, you know, I have really, really been convicted that anytime we've got something with somebody else, like we got to go resolve that right away. And when you say resolve it, that doesn't necessarily mean you feel better straight after it. But the point is, is that you've recognized it and you've asked for forgiveness on your behalf of what you've behaved. Yeah, exactly. I mean, some problems are going to take a long time to resolve. What my wife and I fought about, it's something we're going through in our marriage. We didn't solve that today. But Mm -hmm. what we did solve was, hey, my response to you this morning is totally out of line. I'm sorry. That's the human way, right? We're often angry because we're attacking the person not necessarily even the core problem. It becomes about your wife or this person versus it is the actual problem at hand. And so, like you said, I think that it's just, it's very earthly of us to get consumed in that anger and rage. Well, and I think another part of that is we can't just go around sinning, being angry, and then apologizing all the time. Like that's not even the point of this conversation. But I can tell you this morning, like the best part of the conversation we had after I had apologized and sought her forgiveness was, and I think this is the important part, Chica, if we're going to grow as biblical men, if we're going to grow as Christians, if we're going to have an impact in the world, okay, what was the root cause of that? Like, why did I explode at her? Like, what really was the root cause of that? What's underneath that? Because that's where the movement comes and That's where Jesus wants to do his work, right? That's what C.S. Lewis says. The Holy Spirit comes in. He doesn't want to just move some furniture around and make your room <laughs> look a little nicer. He's going to knock some walls down. You know, and so I, as a believer, and I think a big part of what what we've got to talk about as men, as we're going through the day and we're getting angry at different stages at people at work or whatever, in our culture, that's celebrated. Oh, you have been wronged. It is good to be angry. Everybody's angry. You turn on TV, everybody's angry and everybody's loving it and reveling in it and getting rewarded for it. But as a believer, I really think we've got to do the hard work that says, I can't. If I'm angry, I'm stuck in a moment in time. I'm stuck at a point of maturity. I will make no more advances in my biblical manhood. I will make no more advances in my walk with Christ if I don't stop right here and get underneath this. Now, once I get underneath it, that may mean I got to get underneath something else because, you know, we start digging and excavating, but that's okay. That is the big church word, right, Chica? The process of sanctification. Do we catch ourselves? Chica, do we even stop ourselves and go, whoa, I'm out of line here. What is going on? High five, Jay. High five. I mean, I think we've all had experiences where we've held on to it and then tried to do something later, but that person was still angry <laughs> from the moment before. Like, oh, you moved that earlier? Well, I'm still angry about that. And you're like, wait, I thought we I thought we cleared that up. So, you know, just communication is so key there. And I think that the communication also lands on yourself as a responsibility as a biblical man to really see God in the trial. We get so hijacked, our brain hijacks us so bad that we can't sometimes even see how angry we are because we are flooded. Um, I, I really think that as we wrap up this part one then, Jay, that we kind of leave our listeners with a couple of maybe just gems that they can think about over the next week. Um, I would say awareness is huge, gentlemen, that maybe this week the, the one task you look for in your work with your dog, with your children, with your wives, with your spouses, with your friends is what do you notice about yourself in moments when it gets tense? And what do you notice about other people and how they behave too? When do they flood? When do they get hijacked? I think of James one twenty, 
where it says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And what you talked about was this righteousness in indignation. Maybe you can give us 10 cents on how can we be more righteous in, a, in our walk when we're angry? Well, I think a good place to start, Chica, I love that verse. And James goes right at anger, right? He goes right at anger. Another good action this week as we're kind of watching ourselves and analyzing ourselves, and, and every day you're going to have some opportunity, right? <laughs> if you're an average man, you're going to have some opportunity because you're going to lose your bacon and you're going to be like, hmm, okay, I should unpack that. Read Romans 6, 7, and 8 this, this week. Just go and read it. Because what Paul says is, hey, once you're a saved and you believe in Christ, like you've been forgiven, it's the sin in you, the sin that resides in your flesh that causes you, right, to be angry. In this case, we're talking about anger. And there is no condemnation in Christ. You're healed from that, but you have to watch out for it. So I think reading Romans 6, 7, and 8, getting that reminder on what is actually sin? How does Paul frame up sin? And how does he frame up how sin comes at us and tries to make us angry, right? It was a sin what I did with my wife this morning. But then how does Jesus counteract that? What is the believer? How does the believer respond to sin in their life? And so as you're talking about the James passages, we're thinking about Romans. What the New Testament is very clear on is you got to call yourself out. You got to see it in yourself and you have got to invite the Holy Spirit in to fix that. And Romans talks about that. But how do I get saved? How do I grow from this? How do I stop doing these sorts of things? Oh, I let the resurrection and the death of Christ wash over me and I grow in that. And so that sounds very churchy and biblical, but the answer for how we handle anger is found in the gospels and in the person of Jesus Christ. Only through the power of Christ's saving grace can we actually mature enough to reach a point where as a biblical man, I don't I don't respond anymore. Well, listeners, you've got your go-to. Go get it. We will see you next week here on the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast.